Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to talk about Sean Baudrillard's short essay called Why Theory. But before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy or on Twitter at David Guineo. If you're new here, welcome. I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts in a way to make them accessible to you. So if you're new, like, share, subscribe, comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to help me out, do all those things. Uh, tell your friends. Who knows? They might get a kick out of it. You might have some relatives who are interested in this stuff. Who knows? If you want to help me out monetarily, you can do that via Patreon or PayPal. If you found this on YouTube and you're watching the video for it, you can also find it in podcast form pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts where there shouldn't be any ads, which is obviously beneficial. If you found this in podcast form, you'll be able to find the video on YouTube if you're into that at all. Um, and yeah, don't waste any more of your time with that stuff. Let's talk about this brief essay or this brief I don't know, these musings by Baudrillard that are difficult to untangle. His short texts are deceptively difficult just because they're, they're very dense. And so it takes a lot to unpack them. And he contradicts himself to some extent. Uh, and so I want to raise this contradiction and encourage people to chime in if anyone has any possible ways to get to get over it, to solve it. I have my own opinions, but I don't know if they're the best ones or I'm sure someone else has much better views on it than I do. So he starts out the essay by saying that theory's goal is not to simply oppose reality. It's not simply to oppose the real, nor is it simply to, to kind of naively mirror the real. So theory exists not within the real. It seems to be something that exists outside of it. So what is the real? And this is obviously a very tenuous question. It's one that I would have a lot of difficulty explaining in just a few minutes, minutes, let alone explain verbally at all, writing out some kind of answer would be a lot better. But just to be brief, the real is for Baudrillard a very specific moment in time. We cannot say that we've always been in the real for Baudrillard. The real emerges at a certain period in human organization. Now, I want to add a little asterisk here to say that some readings of his work could point to the real as having always been present, but that it underwent some kind of mutation where the real being marked off by human experience, just generally, was in itself always something that was on the scene. And it was always tethered to this other kind of key term that is simulation. So if we go all the way back in human evolution, humans were from many thousands of years ago trying to replicate the world in cave paintings for example they were creating simulacra of things in the world now the very experience of being human involves us being in contact not with things not with real things but only with our experiences our senses of them so when we engage with something in the world we aren't engaging with the thing itself we are only engaging with our brains telling us what that thing is like. So when we see a thing, we aren't seeing it, we are seeing uh, sunlight bouncing off of it, entering our brains and our brains is telling us, or our brains are telling us what that thing is. Not what it is in itself, but what it feels like or looks like as it is filtered through our senses. So to that extent, this thing called the real is always something that it has been mediated. It's been something simulated by our cognitive faculties, and it is something that we've always, as humans, tried to replicate in a more literal way through painting, through art, 
through human relationships and organization. And that has always been the case. Now, when he's talking about the real here, he could mean a number of different things. But as far as I understand it, he's referring to a moment in which human organization has developed the tools to believe itself to have answers about reality. So we begin to forget that our relationship to the world is one that is always produced through semblance, not necessarily in absolute reproductions of things or in having absolute relationships with things in themselves. But there comes, there enters a point when we start to put those questions aside and we are left only with the belief that we have become absolutely real. Now this is the moment in which we are within, to put it quite simply, in the world of simulacra in the matrix, to put it really simply. It is a world in which we have been sort of numbed to the fact that we are in, always in, a kind of simulated reality, just by us being humans. And so we put these questions to the side. We say, we know how X, Y, and Z works in the world. We know what humans are meant to do. We know what the universe is all about, or we are trying to find answers for it so that we can put those questions to bed. And that's it. Now that is what the real is. Theory is what intervenes in reality to disrupt the assumption of truth having been found, to disrupt the idea that we've just arrived at a point in which things are just better, we have a better understanding of everything, and that's it. Theory pokes holes in that, but the way that it pokes holes in it is kind of interesting, and it's where I think the first or the big contradiction arises in this text, where he says that in order for theory to be effective against this thing called the real, kind of giant enterprise of objectivity, in order for it to be effective against the real, it must sort of embrace the real. So if the real is something that is characterized by a certain degree of objectivity, one that tries to maintain objectivity through a sort of scientism in order to proffer up answers to everything, the task of theory is to intensify that logic, to say, okay, if this world is one that is marked by objectivism, not in the Ayn Rand sense, but just a world obsessed with truth, we need to give it more truth. If it is a world that is indifferent, we must become, or theory must become more indifferent. If it is a world that is fatal, in its wanton destruction of wildlife, of humans who are considered not worth living, and so on, it is theory's task to propel that logic even further, to demonstrate the absurdity of it all, to show that underneath the veneer of objectivity of truth, us having arrived at a kind of perfectly real moment, is in fact just more ambiguity, more mystery. And the goal then for theory, for Baudrillard, is to arrive at a point in which the system understands its own enigmatic nature. It has not arrived at a point that it is perfectly true, that it has all the answers. It has just fooled itself into thinking that that is the case. And so in this way, the real is for Baudrillard very unreal. It is, it is, at least as it has formed in this certain phase, it has been, it is completely detached from everything that has preceded it because everything that preceded it was marked by conflict, was marked by antagonism, where the real is a moment that tries to put all antagonism to death by submitting everything to a totalizing logic. Now theory is that which comes in 
and reinserts conflict, it reinserts antagonism, it reinserts enigma, it makes the world less intelligible. It doesn't make the world more intelligible. If theory is in the service of making the world make more sense, then it is doing its job incorrectly for Baudrillard, which is how I think that his approach here flies in the face of some other uh, key theoretical approaches, specifically, and he takes aim at Foucault, who really try to make sense of the world and try to really give it a face and to explain it in very, maybe not so clear, but in very direct ways. Where Baudrillard says that if theory is going to have any kind of function, it must be to make the world less knowable, not more knowable. Because to make it more knowable is only to submit it to more of that logic that is ultimately deleterious to people, to development, and to change. So the issue I raised was that at first, or the contradiction that I want to point to, was that at first he says that that theory should not mimic the real, it shouldn't copy the real. Yet he says that it must adopt the same elements of the real, but intensify them. So the issue might be that he's saying, hey, if it just mirrors the real without doing anything more, that's wrong. But if it intensifies those logics, takes them further than the real itself would, then it is a good thing. Then I think that that's how that issue can be resolved. And it's just something that I thought worthy of bringing up. And I'd be curious if anyone else had any points about it that would be worth mentioning because I'm all ears with this stuff. It's very, it's complicated business, but it's, it's important to talk about it, I think. And that more or less covers it. It was a very short text. Uh, I got it out of the volume down there, the Hatred of Capitalism volume with, that is very mistakenly titled. Uh, so many of the essays in that, in that volume have nothing to do with capitalism at all. Uh, Baudrillard's work could hardly be situated in that camp. I guess some arguments could be made for it, like drawing a connection between the emergence of the real and industrialization. There are those types of readings that I think could be quite beneficial here, but I don't think they're quite as forward in Baudrillard's own work as, at least not in my readings of it. But anyways, a great collection of essays that I think anyone should read. It's really fantastic. And yeah, if there's anything I excluded, you know, let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And yeah, if you found this in podcast form where you can leave a review, uh, do that. Leave five stars. I like to read all your comments. I don't have the time to respond to any of them or all of them. And so, yeah, if you listen this far, thanks a lot and take care.